0: This episode of the DBR podcast is brought to you by those guys from Bird Campbell, PA, a law firm with offices in Dallas, Orlando, and Fort Lauderdale. Bird Campbell means business. Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to DBR podcast episode number 123. Wow, that is a huge number. We just keep going higher and higher. We are coming to you on Monday, August 20th. The Duke basketball team is back from their week-long road trip to Canada, and we are going to discuss the entire week. But before I do that, I'm Donald Wine. I'm the captain of the ship this week, and I'm coming to you from my home in the District of Columbia. As usual, my peoples are here to discuss the basketball with me. First in the Bull City, uh, the student, Sam Klein. What's up, man?
1: Uh, sorry, I thought, I thought this was the Zion Williamson Report. Did I, did I log into the wrong show?
0: Oh, no. I, I think, I think <laughs> it encompasses that. Um, oh, okay, great. You're just going to have to tomahawk your coverage, so. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But we also have our resident ATLian,
2: Jason Evans, is in the building. Jason, what's up, man? I'm just thrilled that we get to talk about actual basketball that we saw played by guys in Duke uniforms. It's been a while, and I am so excited.
0: Yeah, I kind of like that that we have this little August show that we can talk about actual live basketball against competition that is not ourselves. I I really like that. So, uh, you know what? As we mentioned at the top of the show, Duke basketball took its once every four years trip abroad, and they didn't go far. They went to Toronto and Montreal for the week to play three games. They took on Ryerson University on Wednesday, uh, w- winning eighty six to sixty seven. That was in Toronto. After that, they faced the University of Toronto, winning ninety six to sixty. And then finally, to wrap things up, yesterday they played McGill University in Montreal, and they blasted them one hundred three to fifty eight. So what we're going to do instead of going through each of these games individually, uh, guys, I got a couple topics that I want to encompass that will encompass all the games. I'm going to throw them at you. You tell me what's up. Sound good with you? That works. Okay. here we go. The first topic, Zion Williamson. He had um, how do we say this? Uh, He had a beast of a week in Canada. Uh, He only had a grand total of 89 points and 34 rebounds in three games. So, um, Sam, I'm going to give you this question is Zion the real deal or are we not supposed to read too much into all the exciting highlights he we saw from this past week?
1: So with those caveats applied that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the preview show, and I'm going to get, I think, to sort of recapping my preview because a lot of it was irrelevant in the face of injuries. What I can say is that Zion Williamson looks like one of the scariest basketball players that I have ever seen. And and the, the way I want to think about, uh, about those caveats about how these teams that Duke was playing don't feature the kind of size they're going to see from, from top caliber ACC squads, things like that. Zion still maneuvered through traffic with the ball, was dribbling really well, um, made a bunch of really crafty layups. We knew that there were going to be dunks. We knew that he was going to leak out on breakaways and that was gonna, he was going to be fed for for the big jams and and you could tell that his teammates were loving it. RJ Barrett, Jordan Goldwire, everyone was getting in on the assist to Zion's thunder dunks game. But the way that he maneuvered in traffic, the way that he calmly was passing and shooting from the perimeter. I mean, he showed a full skill set that I don't think we knew that he had, you know, coming into coming into these games and and looking at Zion at the end of his senior year, there was some, and we've, we've admitted on the show, at least I've admitted, I don't watch a lot of high school basketball. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on, on how good all these players are in high school and how they project and all that stuff. I think the general theme we heard about Zion is that he is still pretty raw, but he has all that athleticism and size and speed and all the, all the physical characteristics. I did not expect a player who was going to be so polished handling the basketball. I mean, he he handled the basketball as well as any person his size that I've ever seen, especially in college. And we're going to get, I assume, to, to some player comparisons for him. There's nobody that, that that handles the ball like he does. And that was what hey, was most impressive. Hey, hey,
2: Sam, Sam, what about the – to me, the most impressive thing was the body control, his ability to get in the lane, to to hesitate once he was there, to absorb contact, and finish –
1: I mean, absorbing contact isn't very absorbing. Contact isn't very hard for him, but yeah, yeah, and uh, by hard, the way, at least he, it shouldn't be.
2: <laughs> he's never going to get a foul call. He doesn't get foul calls when he gets hit because he can't. It doesn't affect him. It doesn't affect him. He's got the Shaq effect, effect
1: going for him. But Jason, Jason, I think you and I are sort of making the same point, which is that um, the the way that he was maneuvering was was so skillful, and they did say on the broadcast, or he admitted on the on the broadcast that he only weighs two seventy five, so not the. Not the enormous two eighty five, of course, that that we were led to believe a few weeks ago. But but you're making the right point that that the way that he moves is so advanced for a, a player of his age, regardless of of him having so much size. That just makes it all the more impressive. I mean, on like watching him on TV, even with other college players, he's he's like noticeably, he's like thirty percent thicker from you know like across the shoulders than everybody else on the court who are all under. You know the same like weightlifting program and all of that. So uh, I I I like can't say enough about how incredible he was.
0: So Sam, you mentioned he was not two seventy five. He he's not, I'm sorry he's not you know that outstandingly enormous two eighty five. He's a rather svelte two seventy five, which is a difference of only ten pounds. But it's funny how you you he said that like no 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 guys I'm two I'm not two eighty five I'm two seventy five. It's I'm I'm lighter so I'm quick on my feet. Uh, this dude is just ridiculous, but. The one point that I have, you you encompassed a lot of what I was going to say about Zion because you know it was an absolute marvel. One thing that he did that, if you go back through the 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 uh, the tapes and watch, he made Dan Shulman and Jay Billis the two guys calling the games. He made them break character because normally during broadcasts they're very even keeled. They they you know talk a lot about the players, but they're not fans. These guys were fans at a certain point in that third game against uh, McGill when he tomahawked that dunk it, through the soul of, of an entire universe. It was like you, you could you could hear Jay Billish just jump out, he shrieked. Like he was like, oh, like he became a fan. And and I think what this what this team is about, we, we have a lot of great players on this team. We've seen them over the last three games. But what Zion brings to the table is he turns people into fans he the all those guys that were on the team, they were watching Zion to see what he can do next, and it yeah, it could be because he's a YouTube sensation, but that kind of star quality is something that I don't think anyone's ever really seen before, so uh that is what was incredible to kind of watch two guys who are normally very even killed and very professional have a week where they were fans of uh how he played and and the next guy that we have coming up, r j Barrett um Jason. I'm going to go to you for RJ Barrett. Um, he returned to his native land. He's from Canada. Wait,
2: wait, wait, wait! wait. You're not going to let me talk about Zion? Hold <laughs> on. Zion. <laughs>
0: no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. No, Jason, why don't more. you,
1: Jason, Jason, why don't you cover Zion's defense?
2: Oh. oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, wait, wait. Okay, no, here's a real question. Um, actually,
2: wait, wait. Let's talk Seriously, about his I wanted, rebounding. I want you to I talk to about talk his. About, rebounding. I was going to say. I wanted to talk about his rebounding. That's there actually what. I, That's the point. That was. A, by the way, Donald, I think. I, I, before I get to the rebounding, I just want to say your point about making people fans, making the game fun to watch, that that to me is the biggest takeaway we had here. Um, did, did you guys see that Dwayne Wade was tweeting about how he and his son were watching Duke play in Canada and how much fun it was and how much mm-hmm. his son, who who, by the way, is a legit player in the class of 2020 – um Duke isn't recruiting him yet but like Florida State and Michigan State are recruiting his son Dwayne Wade's son can play um Dwayne Wade tweeted that he was watching Duke play basketball in an exhibition game against Canada and that's because of Zion Williamson it's and also Jason, because of RJ Barrett but that's mostly because of Zion Williamson and Jason what yeah. he was doing is he was making haters believers i don't i can't tell oh, you yeah. how many people oh yeah
0: who texted me saying yo you know you know my thoughts on 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 your program but damn it if Zion isn't the best player I've seen in a long time. Like he is going to make a lot of people, whether they hate Duke or love Duke, he's going to make them watch, watch Duke basketball play. And I think that is something that, you know, he's a, he's a uniter
2: uh, of sorts, but Jason talk about his rebounding. So I was going to say the thing that impressed me the most about Zion watching these three games, uh, aside from that body control in the lane, which and his ability to finish in the lane, which was so impressive, was his rebounding and his hands. His hands, especially, uh, you know, uh, against um, against Ryerson, there was there was a play in the second quarter, just at the start of the second quarter, that that I think epitomizes what we're going to get from Zion this year. That is so jaw dropping. He brings the ball up the floor and he drives. And the defense comes to him, and he somehow sees Jack White open in the corner. Uh, And he makes a great pass to Jack White. And White misses the shot, which is going to happen a lot because Jack White played really well and is going to hit a lot of three-pointers for Duke. But White misses the shot. So Zion has created the play and created the pass. The ball's in the air. And Zion just jumps plain out of the building to grab the rebound. And And then his putback... It was jaw-dropping, and he did that over and over again. His ability to get in the air and those hands, all he needs is a pinky on the ball, and he's got it. And then once he gets the ball in the lane, forget it. He's going up, and he's slamming with huge authority. Um, he's hes one of the more impressive rebounders I've seen for Duke in a while. and 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 we just got off a season where we watched Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley like, Set all kinds of freshman rebounding records and stuff. What um, Zion Williamson? You gotta. The caveat is the competition. I know, but my God, it. it I, I want to go back to your original question, Donald. It really looks like he's the real deal in a big, big way. Yeah, uh, it, it. It's. It's again. We
0: talked about this last last episode. We we talked about it a little bit today. It's hard to kind of sit there and say yo we're about to win every single game these guys are going to go up for 30 points a game every game it, it's that's not going to happen but there is a lot of cause for excitement there's is, there's is a lot of legit excitement that you can take uh from zion williams performance um this past week so now i want to talk about and now i'm actually going to go to you, jason about rj barrett rj barrett as we know is canadian just turned into sort of a homecoming of sorts, even though that wasn't the original plan. Uh, but he came home in a big way. He he had a pretty good week. He had 92 points in three games. Like, he averaged 30 points a game. Um, Jason, That's you told, sick. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Jason, yeah. you've he, told us time and time he again. Averaged,
1: he averaged 30 points a game, and he's not even the most important thing that happened.
0: Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that actually leads me to my question. Jason, you told us you've told us time and time again about how RJ was going to be the star of this team. Did you see what you thought from RJ Barrett last week? And I'll ask it further. Did you see something about him that makes you feel like he is going
2: to be the star or that he's happy to share the spotlight with Zion Williamson? Uh I mean, what I saw between Zion and RJ was guys who enjoyed feeding each other. I mean, look, how many highlights were there of Zion feeding RJ for a slam and RJ feeding Zion for a slam? Mm -hmm. Uh, These are two guys who play off of each other really well. But I think because the ball is in his hands more than anyone else, because he's the guy taking most of the shots, I think this is RJ's team. I really He feels to me like a team leader more so than Zion Williamson. Zion's great. Make no mistake about it. But I, I mean, do you guys disagree with me? I feel like what I saw was I saw RJ's team and I've got no problem with that. I'm thrilled with that because I, one thing I really liked about RJ was I really liked his defense. I thought he played high quality defense. He had a lot of um, intensity, tenacity. He was, uh, he, he did, he's got long arms, really long arms and a long stride and his arms allowed him to be pesky on defense. Um, and I think that, Oftentimes, if your team leader, if your best player is also your best defender, it makes everyone else work harder on defense. It makes everyone else play better defense. And I think this team defensively is going to take a cue from R.J. Barrett because R.J. is the team leader, in my opinion. In terms of what I saw – yeah, go ahead.
1: I was going to say on that that point about defense – one of the big criticisms about the last few years that we've had, and and a lot of other folks have had about Duke, is that these one and done freshmen a lot of times are very polished offensively. Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram, Jabari Parker, guys who are you know similarly sized to to an RJ Barrett, but they don't have the defensive chops, and and in some cases like Parker, they're they're pretty bad on defense. But but as you said, Jason Barrett looks like looks like he knows exactly what he's doing, um, and and has. Good control and good awareness of the court. That's that's rare for for any freshman uh, to to have that that kind of defensive ability.
2: Yeah. Now, so I want to go to the other side of the ball now for a second because I, I'm not sure we've seen many guys at Duke who get to the rim with as much ease as RJ Barrett does. I mean, his strides. Do you see how many times there are times when he has the ball like at the foul line or look, you know, foul line extended. He only needs like two steps to get to the rim. And, and guys just, they're prepared to defend that. Um, that's the thing to me that is most impressive about his game. And look, I know in the first game, the game against Ryerson, he did not shoot well from the field. A lot of people said, yeah, he scored He scored 34 points against Ryerson, but um, it, it, he, he did it by, uh, uh, how many shots was he? He scored 34 points on 30 shots. People were like, 30 shots, wow, I don't know about that. Well, if you look at the next couple games, He was way more efficient, and especially if you take out three-pointers. And look, this is a guy who's going to have to work on his three-point shot. There's no question about that. But over the course of the three games, R.J. Barrett shot 57% on two-point shots, including 12 of 18 against Toronto and 7 of 11 against McGill. So he can hit it when he's not inside that three-point line. And he's just going to be so – he gets his shot with such ease that – I think we're just going to get a ton of easy points by having him on the team. Now, I'll tell you the thing that concerns me. It's not just his three point percentage, it's his free throw shooting. RJ Barrett hit 53% of his free throws. That's terrible. And I'll give you the really bad news the really bad news is he shot 30 free throws, a lot. It's because he's so quick. It's because he's getting to the rim. The help defense is coming, or the guy who's defending him is trying to, you know, collect himself after he's been burned by RJ and he fouls him. In three games, RJ Barrett took 30 free throws and only made 16 of them. If he's going to take 10 free throws a game, and maybe he's not going to take that many, but if he's going to take six, seven, eight free throws a game, which I think he will over the course of this season, we're going to need him to hit more like, you know, 65, 70%, hopefully more than 70% of his free throws. Um. So that's to me. That's one of the biggest things that come out of RJ's game is that w- the free throw shooting needs to be better. The three point shooting needs to be a little bit better. Um, uh, and a- and then I just think he's a dominant dominant player in terms of scoring inside the three point line. Um, and we just haven't had many guys like him who get to the rim as easily as he does.
0: Yeah, I I so a, a fluidity to his game that is something exactly. That- you don't exactly. really see from a lot of players in college basketball you don't see from a lot of guys in the pros and you know I, one thing that struck me when uh they were talking with his father uh yesterday on the broadcast they were asking about h- how he modeled this game and he mentioned that he was you know he grew up he's right-handed in everything except for basketball um and I think that is kind of where y- you could see the 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 determination of a kid like he talked about how he wanted to go to Florida to enhance his game, he wanted to stay in the United States and play high school basketball to to be amongst the best and play with the best players. And and I think that sort of determination just really somehow cultivated into a fluid style of play on both sides of the ball. You mentioned, uh, Jason, when, when Dwayne Wade was tweeting that he and his son were watching Duke basketball, it was because of R.J. Barrett. He specifically mentioned R.J. Barrett by name and mentioned that they were that he was watching his game because he saw a lot of him in RJ Barrett and I see that fluidity especially from the early part of Dwayne Wade's career that fluidity you can tell RJ Barrett has been studying some of his moves because he has that game and I think that is that's something that you, you really don't see a lot from anybody not just you know college basketball but in in the NBA as well Sam do you have anything to add on RJ Barrett before we move on
1: just that as it pertains to one of the things we were missing in this game which was Trey Jones and and his point guard ability which i had said in the preview was the thing i was looking forward to the most RJ Barrett handles the ball uh not elite uh the way the way you really want your your top point guard to be but if he can if he can give this team 10 15 minutes a game of of playing point guard and kind of having that modified offense the way that i think some successful uh, wing players in the recent past, like Grayson Allen have had. Um, it takes a huge amount of the weight off of Trey Jones to be 35 minutes a game. The, the facilitator on this team.
2: Hey, hey Sam, I, I actually think the guy who's going to do that is Cam Reddish um, from watching the McDonald's all American practices. Cam Reddish is, is a point guard in, in a six, eight body. Um, Ah, uh, Cam Reddish is a great facilitator and and has really good handle and, and incredible court vision. You know, one of the things missing so, in this game. So, in this, so is,
1: the, is the third best point guard on this team?
2: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I, I, no question about it. Ma- maybe fourth, it. Best. That's maybe it. fourth best. Maybe fourth best because I thought Jordan Goldwire actually played pretty nice. Mm-hmm. As I mean, he's not going to play during the regular season. Let's not fool ourselves. And Donald, I'm sure we're going to get to you know what the injuries did to Duke's rotations and the such. But um, yeah, I I think Cam. Cam Reddish will be the guy who, uh, who probably spells Trey Jones a little bit at point guard.
0: Before we get to the rest of the, the team and their performances, there's one more guy I want to highlight, and it's kind of on the, on the downside of things, um, Mark Reese Bolden. Uh, he was a guy that Coach K himself said was going to be one of the best big men in the country. And Mark Reese Bolden went up to Canada and dropped the grand total of zero points. That is 92 less than R.J. Barrett had. Um, So, Sam, I'm going to ask you this: Did Marquise Bolden just have a bad week, or is this the Marquise Bolden that we have to kind of expect that we're going to have this season?
1: I think that we said in the preview that coach, because Jason had posed the question about which of those developments w- was the biggest deal, and and I think we agreed that the the big one was if Marquise Bolden is actually looking like one of the best big men in the country, that takes this team to a whole other level. He's not, he, he doesn't show up in the, you know, in the preseason previews of, of Duke as being the number one guy, the go-to guy, you know, he's, he's a junior, but he hasn't really played much. He hasn't shown the ability. I think that that he had in high school it hasn't translated yet at the college level. And we were thinking, well, that's great news. Um, having not seen him yet this summer, but we also were sort of skeptical and maybe, Coach K was kind of just using it as a motivational technique for him. And my takeaway from these games is, yeah, that's, that's actually the case. Uh, We say that the, the tough thing about the exhibition games, as far as our projecting them out to the rest of the season, is that the big men often look better than they actually are. They are usually able to get more rebounds. They get easier points around the rim, all that kind of stuff. And Bolden didn't have any of that. He, he, he didn't handle the ball well when, when it came to him, um, he looked lost on defense. wasn't uh, wasn't recovering well on pick and rolls. Uh, there there wasn't really anything that stood out, and and I think Coach Case saw that as well, and and benched him for one of the for an entire half of one of the games. So I'm I'm pretty disappointed. I was hoping that we were going to see more from Bolden. Um, maybe things change in the next two months. Obviously, you know it's still early. They have lots of time to integrate everybody together. The team's only been practicing together for a few weeks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But so far, yeah, not great returns on Bolden.
0: Yeah. And I think with one one quick thing that I was disappointed in is that, you know, we talked about uh, whether or not that Coach K was either gassing them up or, or whether he really thought that, you know, what from what he had seen that Bolden was going to be one of the best big men in the country. I think the consensus that we all can agree on is that he doesn't even have to be with this lineup. But if he's a capable, serviceable big man, um, it, 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 whether he's starting or whether he's coming off the bench to spell um, spell one of the guys, I, I think if he's just, you know, serviceable and can, you know, be a guy that's not really uh, just, you know, doesn't make any waves, but just gets the job done. That's what this team needs. He doesn't need to be a 20 and 10 guy, um, but, you know, 10 rebounds would be great. And, and, and just basically making sure that the defense inside is, is good and, and collecting some rebounds and, and some put bad dunks. But I, I think, going to Canada and, and with this kind of fanfare amongst the team throwing up a goose egg in Canada that's that just doesn't it's, it's it sounds like more than a bad week to me um and I think that is what's most concerning uh about the whole week in general is that you know that one guy um that all he has to do is just you know be good uh was was very 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 mediocre uh if not terrible um uh, this week so uh Jason what do you
2: think so I'm really torn I mean I- Obviously, you know I was the guy who tossed out this notion of Kay talking about Bolden as one of the best big men in the country. You know, as a big, big development for Duke over the summer. So, for for him to to do what he did, or maybe the better way to say it is to not do anything in Canada was was really disappointing. Um, and it's and it's frustrating. And and people are people are really ripping Marquise Bolden. Um, they're talking about you know him not having good effort and things like that. Uh, my takeaway on all of this is, yeah, there there's no way to sugarcoat what a bad week he had. I mean, Marquis Bolden, the only guys in on the team who played less than he did were Brennan Bresser, Besser, and Mike Buckmeyer. I mean, the Justin Robinson, yeah, the two walk-ons. Justin Robinson played more minutes than he did. Frankovic played more minutes than he did. Joey Baker played more minutes than than Bolden did. Uh, you know, That's not a good sign. The fact that K wasn't even willing to put him on the floor for most of these games. um, You know, and he he only had three field goals attempts. He only had nine rebounds. He didn't score a single point. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Marquise Bolden was terrible in Canada. But, and here's the but, we've seen him play well in the past. I mean, this is a guy who, I, I mean, he had a stretch. Uh, you know, last season, you know, like the month of February, he was consistently playing 12, 16, 18 kind of minutes for Duke throughout that entire month and and quite often playing really well. I mean, in, in, uh, you know, you could you could count on him many of those games for six or eight points and four, five, six, seven rebounds while only playing, you know, 15 minutes or so. That, that Those are big numbers for a guy only playing 15 minutes. Uh, And that was against ACC competition. He was doing that against, against UNC and Louisville and Syracuse, uh, you know, and Notre Dame. Those were some of his better games last year. We've seen him perform. So we know that he can. Um, So I'm going to try to, to put this behind us, behind Marquise, and behind, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the Duke team. We, this is a guy who is clearly capable of being a solid contributor and a good ACC player. So I, 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 I think, like you said, there's two months until the regular season starts again. Um, uh, until Actually, it's almost two months until we start doing, you know, big-time big, big time practices again um, with the coaches attending the practices. There's plenty of time for him to work on what he needs to work on, um, which is intensity uh, physicality, um, you know, and, and really being present when he's in the game. And I think he will. I, I, I've seen him do it enough. He sucked this week. He sucked big time, but I've seen him be good. So I know he can. And I think he will in the future. Well, let's hope that we can, you know, he
0: can put this week behind us or behind him and, and move forward. And I think, uh, you know, as you said, I think we're all counting on him to have uh, a much improved uh year as we move forward uh before we wrap up i want to quickly focus on the rest of their team rest of the team and their performances we obviously know that cam reddish and trey jones were out for the entire week uh they had some small injuries and they were kept out uh as a precaution and alex o'connell suffered a a broken facial bone in the first game Uh, but those guys i'm not necessarily worried about how they factor into the rotation um, but I want to talk about one player, uh, and I'm going to kick it to you guys for other players that you may have seen. I'm going to start with Javon Delorie, and I, I really liked what I saw from him uh, this week in Canada, especially on the leadership side. You know, one thing that I think uh, I have talked about, and I know you guys have talked about, is where's the leadership going to come from this year on a team that's very young? Uh, and I like the fact that Javin Delorie has be, you know, exercised some of that leadership um in Canada you know when there was times where we had like a little bit of a rut and and he would be there to kind of calm things down he was there to pull guys into huddles and and get people on the same page he was you know leading by example uh is what I would put it you know he he didn't you know have the best week uh as far as like stat wise but he did what needed to be done and he helped contribute to to every asset of the every facet of the game so uh, I want to give a shout out to him for how he played And especially on the leadership side, because we're going to need that this year. I'm glad that he stepped up to be one of those leaders. Uh, But Sam, I want to go to you. Uh, Was there another guy that you saw um, this past week that that uh, interested you or was like, hey, that was pretty cool or someone that you think may have cracked uh, earned a crack at the rotation?
1: Yeah. So before I answer the question, I did want to point out we got a we got an email um, last week from a listener, John Minnick who wanted to know if the if we thought that the team or the program, I guess, was injury prone. He said that it seems every year we have multiple injuries and he doesn't see it uh, on other teams the way that the way that it appears is the case at Duke. This week, I think, was was only fodder for for that uh, sort of general theory. So thanks. um, Thanks, John, for the question. The um, the the challenge, I think, in looking at this is that we're just dealing with small samples. And like we saw O'Connell get hurt and I I think the deal was he got elbowed in the face and now he's got, he's got uh, maybe a broken bone in his face. So I I don't know how you prevent things like that. As far as all the other injuries, you know, Duke players through the years have had a rash, especially of of, like foot and and lower leg injuries that have been sort of confounding. I don't know if there's anything uh, about the team's program that would, that would indicate that they are especially injury prone and, And we did get that little sneak peek in the broadcast about the new sports performance facility or the upgraded sports performance facility that they've got in place. So I I know that uh, if if there is some truth to it, the program is doing everything that it can uh, to mitigate it. That being said, to your question, Donald, I was really impressed with Jack White this week. I didn't you know, he hasn't gotten a ton of minutes in his time at Duke. but this, this feels like a year when he might be able to contribute, especially if guys are going to be out for, uh, for extended periods, for injuries. Um, he, we know that he's a good rebounder. He's a, he's a good outside shooter. The reports from practice have been glowing about his shooting. And I thought that he looked poised and, and, and ready to contribute in these games. Um, moved around really well. Played a lot of minutes, especially with all those guys out and, and Bolden getting Getting benched for long stretches, so I enjoyed watching Jack White. I think that uh, he he could also be providing some of that leadership. He's now been around a little bit, and like you said, it, it, that's going to be a challenge for Duke this year. Um, so, so I I enjoyed watching Jack White. Jason, did you have anybody else or, or any any further comments about the guys that we brought up?
2: Well, so so I, I do want to talk about Jack White. This um, you know to echo some of the things that you did. First one is, I mean, Jack White played the third most minutes. R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, of course, played the most. Jack White was third in minutes for this team, um, which shows you how much Coach K is confident in him. Uh, you're right. He he took and made a, a very nice number of three-pointers. Jack White was also the second-leading rebounder for Duke. He and R.J. Barrett tied with 19 rebounds each, more than six, uh, you know, almost six-and-a-half rebounds per game. Jack White was the third-leading assist guy for Duke nine assists for Jack White in the three games. I thought he played outstanding, outstanding basketball when he was in there. um, And he was in there a lot. Uh, And Coach K said in one of the post-game news conferences that Jack White is in the rotation, which for Coach K is a big deal because K usually has seven, maybe eight guys in his rotation. When push comes to shove, Really, you know, at the most, you can expect eight guys to play at the game's a really, really close, competitive, important game. And it sounds to me like Jack White is one of those guys, which is a big development for him. And it's important for Duke because we need more outside shooting. And Jack is clearly a good outside shooter. So that's one of them. The, the other, uh, the, there are three other guys I want to talk about just really, really quickly. Um, Joey Baker, uh, you know, just a freshman. There's still talk he may redshirt. I, I think he should redshirt. Cause I'm not sure he's gonna be able to crack the rotation and give us anything but mop up minutes. So there's no reason to blow his red shirt on a season when he's not going to do anything more than, you know, play mop up time. But Joey Baker, you can see why this kid was a highly touted recruit. He hit 45% of his three pointers and just has a really, really smooth stroke. Um, you know, obviously you want to see him do it against better competition. He's going to get a lot of chances in practice to play against better competition. But, but I, I, I like what I saw from Joey Baker, not for this year, but for the future, um, guys, do y'all think Antonio Vrankovic, you know, I, I think he might be a player for Duke this year, especially if Bolden continues to struggle. Frank, Frank's another guy who played really nicely in his limited playing time. Um, You know, just to be a big body in the middle, I, you know, I don't mind if we have to go to him every now and then. Um, And then the other guy is Jordan Goldwire, who played a lot. He played the fourth most minutes of anyone. Um, Goldwire still, you know, he's he's never going to score, but you know, if something terrible happens, if for some reason Trey Jones gets hurt, you know, if, if Duke suddenly finds himself in a pinch, I feel like Goldwire's combination of, you know, of looking to set up other guys and playing really good defense. And man, Gold, Goldwire plays tough, in-your-face defense every second he's on the floor. Uh, you know, I, I I think you know Goldwire. If we got in trouble, could be competent for us a little bit at point guard. So I was I was pleased to see all of that uh, over there, and 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 pleased that those guys, because of the injuries and other stuff, it was nice to see them really get some minutes, get some time, and feel like they're contributing.
1: Yeah, I Jason, you're you're totally right about. Uh, about Frankovic and that he could have an opportunity here if Bolden is struggling. I think that Duke doesn't really have big men outside of uh, outside like true big men outside of Bolden and Frankovic. I think there's a lot of guys who can, who can get rebounds. Zion of course was all over the boards on this trip, but I don't know if we want to um, I, I, I think Duke wants to have a true big man in there if they can. And, um, and if if Rank can handle that, then then that's a that's a big opportunity for him. Delorier doesn't even really bring that same uh, that same like level of size and, and reach. Uh, I, I'd rather see Delorier moving you know around in the forward spots rather than at center. So that, that's another big one for me. And and also echo on Joey Baker. Um, again, I agree that I that I hope he red shirts just because it shows that we've got the depth for him to do so. But he doesn't look overwhelmed, uh, looks like he could contribute if necessary.
2: I'll I'll say this about rotations. The, someone on the boards mentioned this. I forget who it was, and I kind of agree with them. Uh, I kind of love the notion of of Duke playing Zion at the five or Delorier at the five and Duke going to a death lineup like the Golden State Warriors where we go, okay, everyone on the floor can switch except for Trey Jones on the point guard. Mm-hmm. Other than Trey, everyone else switches everything on defense and go ahead and, and try and cover us at the other end of the floor with Zion going out on the perimeter or DeLorea going out on the, you know, uh, the possibilities are are really scary um, for Duke to I, be the Golden State Warriors of college basketball this year because Zion is such a unique kind of player.
1: I don't know if that works with, with DeLorea because I just don't know if he brings enough on offense. Uh, but if Jack White can do that, and Zion is is playing center, I think that's the the you know the freshman with with Jack White, I think is that version of that lineup. And yeah, if it or, works, it's very cool.
2: Or Alex O'Connell, yeah, Cam, certainly, because Cam Reddish and and R.J. Barrett both have the size to be able to play, um, you know, essentially four power forward, whatever you want. I mean, this is a everybody switching kind of lineup, but um, you can't tell me that. Uh, that and RJ, um, and and Cam Reddish all rebounding. That Duke is going to get killed on the boards. And if you're not getting killed on the boards, the other team has no. There's no way a team can play a conventional big man against Cam Reddish or Arge or uh, or Zion Williamson and hope to stay in front of them. There's no conventional big man in college basketball who can stay in front of either one of those guys. I yeah, think the but- flip
1: side of that is is that if you have O'Connell out there, I want to see a little bit more defense. Or I want to see Cam Reddish play defense. I want to see him play. Um, and I want to see him and, and O'Connell be able to handle the the perimeter defense together um, before I think that... like I, I think Jack White is further along in that regard, um, which is why I think I was leaning towards him. But yeah um we we will get a few more games to see them experiment with it and i will not be surprised if we see coach k try one of those all perimeter lineups like like the golden state warriors death lineup
0: yeah but the key to that lineup will be can we shoot from the outside and i think with you know guys like alex o'connell jack white can shoot well from the outside uh cam reddish is supposed to be a great shooter uh you know if we can get those guys shooting well that's going to lead into that because then guys can't teams can't just pack the paint and hope that we're going to miss uh, you know, open contested three pointers. If we got guys that are going to hit three pointers, that's going to just make everything so much more wide open because they're going to have to go out and defend them. Uh, and when you do that, all those lanes are going to be open for Reddish, and Zion, and RJ Barrett to just slash, and and even Trey Jones to slash in the paint and get easy buckets. And is guys- it
2: November yet? I want it to be November. This is so exciting.
0: <laughs> and 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 and.
1: and- And let me just ruin everything by reminding everyone that Duke always only plays six or seven guys, significant minutes. None of this is going to happen. We just like to speculate, right?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) One can dream. As always, we'd like to thank bird Campbell for sponsoring this episode of the DBR podcast. And Tucker bird actually uh, sent us a email, a quick note yesterday on Saturday, uh, about zion williamson and he says and i quote fellas it's finally struck me who zion williamson reminded me of bumblebee from the transformers movie float like a butterfly sting like a bee tuck a bird i have to agree okay guys uh now we are on to parting shots and i will start with
2: you jason so uh someone posted this on the boards but I think not enough people saw it. It's really it's a wonderful wonderful uh link that you all should should all follow. Um Rob Drum Robert Drum was a uh a, a, a offensive lineman for Duke uh football back in the uh mid to late 2000s and he was there. He was a junior um, when David Cutcliffe first arrived at Duke in 2008. Now, Rob did not play very much. Um, he, he played seven snaps his junior year and then, you know, also played pretty sparingly um, in a backup role as a senior. But playing those two seasons, his junior and senior year for David Cutcliffe, really impacted Rob Drum. And Rob wrote a blog post that is titled 10 Things I Learned from playing for coach David Cutcliffe. And it's a wonderful wonderful column about the life lessons the the the, the things that are, are, are going to help you in business, help you live your life, just help you succeed in general that Rob learned playing for Cutcliffe. And it's a it's a wonderful tribute to the man that David Cutcliffe is and to the way he runs his program and to his success at Duke because Rob points out that (laughs) the previous two seasons that he'd been at Duke, they had won a total of one game. And Cutcliffe arrived and immediately started to turn things around. And one of the ways he turned things around is by instilling these important life values about the way you play, the way you perform, the way you conduct yourself throughout your entire life. And that changed the program. It's a great column. I really recommend folks read it. Um, And again, I want to point out the guy who's writing this is not some guy who went on to, to, to be a big deal success for Duke. It's not a guy who played in the NFL or anything like that. This is a guy who is little more than a practice player. This is some dude who David Cutcliffe said, I need you to bust your butt every single day in practice to make us better, but you're never going to play in games. And Rob bought into that. And Rob says all the other guys bought into that. And that's why Duke is successful in football today. And he says that's because of David Cutcliffe. So great column check it out, please. I'll put a link to it in the, you know, on the, on the bulletin boards in our, in our special, in our page for the podcast. Um, or you can Google uh, Rob US. that's Rob's website, Rob US. Uh, and and check it out. It's a, it's, it's really worth reading.
0: Thanks for that, Jason. Um, my parting shot is a very quick one. As we all know, the little league world series is going on uh, right now. And I just want to give, give a shout out to a team, that's straight out of suburban, uh, suburban Detroit, Michigan. The team from Gross Points Woods, who is in the uh, championship right now. They're they're in the consolation bracket, awaiting the winner of Texas and Georgia. They'll play tomorrow. But I just want to send a shout out to them because we don't get a lot of teams from Michigan in the Little League World Series. They've been two years in a row, and last year they they did not play well, but this year they've been hammering the ball. They're ready to go, and hopefully they can deliver a title. Uh, to Michigan. So, gross points woods, Michigan. Love you guys and hope you guys can bring it home. Uh, Good luck in the rest of the Little League World Series, but it is a fantastic Little League World Series that we've had so far and if you aren't watching it, you just don't like happy events because these guys are always happy. Uh, Sam, your parting shot. Okay. Uh, Jason brought up uh,
1: Duke football and Coach Cutcliffe. I just wanted to um, quickly go over our uh, our plan for football for this season. So I know that in years past we've we've covered Duke football a little bit. We've kind of gone back and forth on, you know uh, how much of that we're doing and and we're Duke basketball report, but we also, you know you can come to DBR to read all about Duke football. so what do we do? so so the plan for this year, um, and I hope our listeners appreciate this. I know that a lot of folks on here are just Duke basketball fans, but the three of us are into Duke football. We know we also have a lot of listeners that are that are into football. So our plan for this year um, that we're going to try to stick to is that we are going to cover the football team. We'll do it. Um, we'll do it kind of like on the back half of the um, of the episode every week, so that you know if you're if you're not into football, um, we'll we'll kind of give that warning. Um, but we will be covering all the games. We'll we'll do whatever previews we can. We'll certainly be recapping. Um, So I'd say starting pretty much now expect us weekly all the way into basketball season and beyond, um, you know, for uh, until we like get to April or may again into the summertime. Um, But we're back now um, pretty regularly because as you guys know, uh, Duke kicks off next Friday night against army. That is, that is game one. It is week one of the college football season. Um, so we'll be we'll be here covering that. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll get to go to a bunch of the games this year, of course. Uh, hopefully Donald and Jason will will make it out here to uh, to join me. Um, so looking forward to covering the Blue Devils on the gridiron.
0: And before we wrap up, uh, my bad, we forgot to do Player of the Week. Oh my I, goodness! Th- I, I think I think I have a feeling who's going to be Player of the Week, but we got to do it real quick. Jason, go.
2: I have been to Zion, and I ain't leaving. That's one for Zion. Sam. Uh,
1: I actually am just remembering now from the broadcast from, from his 94 Feet with Jay Billis that we were informed that his name is actually supposed to be pronounced Zion Williamson, not Zion Williamson, but that he prefers for the announcers to say Zion Williamson uh, because it sounds cooler. So my player of the week this week is zion williamson
0: and you know what as lauren hill once said the joy of my world is in zion that's three for three uh that was pretty easy but i will give a shout out to rj barrett because if zion williamson did not exist he probably wouldn't play or, or, or you name his player of the week
2: but the first of many uh the dude the dude scored 30 points per game, and we didn't even consider him for player of the week. That's insane. We apologize, RJ, and, and, but You'll I guarantee you, you're going to get You'll a get couple yours. this year. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I think they're going to be splitting a lot of them this year. Uh, that, is, that is my early prediction for the season, uh, but it's going to be a great season. That's going wait, to wait, do it. Wait, wait, wait.
2: Can you imagine? By the way, all the recruiting services said that RJ is the best player in the country. Zion's the second, uh, sorry, the third best. They all say that Cam Reddish is the second best player in the country. So we, we didn't get to see a guy who was as good as the, both of them. Oh my God. Oh my God.
0: Um, I'm not sure how we're going to be able to uh, keep this to ourselves before uh, until October (laughs) and just keep we're going to have to like, I, I might have to learn how to like do a Rubik's cube or something just to kill time between now and October. Um, I'm,
1: but I, I, I'm lucky I'm lucky that I'm too busy with school to really to really get into it um, and, and, See, that's what and, I should have done
2: I should have gone back yeah. to school
1: this was the year for it man to be
0: here for it
2: ooh. oh my god oh, you are so lucky hey Sam
0: <laughs> Sam on behalf of Jason and I I hate you <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? We're going to keep it up for another day. Uh, that does it for episode 123 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Remember, guys, you can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, SoundCloud. And you know what? We're trying to get onto Spotify. I know this is something that we have worked on for a couple of weeks. We're just waiting to hear back from them. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks before, hopefully before football season starts up, we will be able to say that we're on Spotify. We're also on Google Play. But if you guys uh, subscribe to us, leave a nice review. It really helps us out with ratings. It helps us out with our visibility. And we're we're going to be doing a lot of great things this fall. Uh, And hopefully you guys will enjoy all of it. Uh, But for now, for Sam and for Jason, I'm Donald. We'll check you out next time. And Duke Band, take us home.